Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 68 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Wednesday, June 2nd. Holy fuck, it's already June. Hope you guys had a nice long Memorial Day weekend holiday. Hopefully you acknowledge the troops, unlike our very unintelligent vice president. Stupid whore. Anyways, um, hopefully you didn't think about just getting drunk and, you know, having fun with your friends. I did both of those things, but it's a weekend to say thanks. I mean, it's important to be thankful of, you know, the very bad things that our troops go through sometimes and be thankful that you didn't have to do it for yourself because we live in a country where we have lots of rights and opportunities and privileges and be thankful for it it's that simple took a couple of weeks off again sometimes i've just been in a rut and i apologize like sometimes i just need to whew, just don't feel like doing it get lazy need some time away but holy crap, do I have a lot of little things to talk about. So, it's going to be a really sports-heavy thing because uh, the gambling has gone up. It's been a lot of fun. It's been very frustrating at times, too. But um, I'm just going to go down the list. Um, I mean, ton of sports stuff going on. But the, I'll get to that last. Or I'll work in the... Trying to look at my notes here. I only really have one thing that uh, I wrote down. But um, I can start with the stock market. Uh, the meme stocks are back at it again. This time it's not GameStop. It's AMC. It's pretty crazy how uh, people, this movement. I talked about it a couple months ago when Paul was on the show, of course. But it's funny how, you know, a little movement of you know, short squeezes and, you know, Reddit communities trying to uh, buy all these crappy stocks. It's very powerful. Is AMC worth $65.59 at after hours on paper? Fuck no. Not even close. Not even remotely close. But that's what it's trading at. And, yeah, I mean, some things are really crazy, I guess. I mean, just looking at the market every day. But um, this one story... I'm going to tie it in here with uh, me checking the news. I use the Apple stocks as well as my brokerage account, you know, to check quotes or whatever. But um, it's very funny, some of the news clippings I see all the time, too, and how ridiculous and misleading they are. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw one that uh, talked about the Insurrection Commission, or, yeah, the Insurrection Commission that... Um, the Republicans in the Senate said they did not want to pursue. And, of course, everyone's all up in arms about how, you know, treason and, you know, inciting a riot and all that nonsense that comes with that, right? Because that's kind of what happened. It's really not, though, um, in my eyes. But whatever. I mean, you can call it what you want. I'm not going to say you can't. But um, 
the fact that the government decided to not form a commission to investigate into that is the biggest load of crap ever. And I'm just, I'm not even going to say why it isn't using this example. I'm going to go back to an example from a commission that was formed a little more, almost, no, not a little more, a little less, almost 50 years ago. In light of the JFK assassination, the government formed this thing called the Warren Commission to investigate what happened in Dallas, Texas on November 22nd, November 23rd, I don't remember the exact date, of 1963 when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. That commission determined that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone in assassinating the President of the United States, the man who killed JFK, Jack Ruby, acted independently and killed Lee Harvey Oswald before he could be before he could be uh, officially questioned. That commission determined that those two acted. Or those two incidents were independent of each other and it happened to be a gigantic coincidence. And that is what the United States government officially declared, that um, JFK was killed by one person acting on his own accord. And if anyone paid attention in any capacity in U.S. history class, the consensus is that is definitely not the case. So my point is, what is the point of, you know, delegating people to sit on a commission and to investigate crimes, potentially crimes, if the truth doesn't even come out? So, just think about that. The commission doesn't solve anything and it doesn't get you any closer to the truth. They just tell you what they want you to hear. Anywho, I mean, that's really it with the non-sports stuff. I mean course there's a lot of dumb stuff going on like fucking gas prices are through the roof because president biden doesn't like our energy depend uh, independency you know the environment's extremely important and i do agree the environment is extremely important but the oil is going to be used anyways us paying for it from somewhere else doesn't make it any better i mean we just buy it from opec the same amount of oil is being used and we're just paying more for it so I mean, that's kind of unfortunate. Even fucking meat prices are through the roof. I don't know what the hell that's about. I guess there was like a meat shortage when that uh, that hack job that happened a few months ago. I don't fucking know, but I don't know. Our country's amazing right now. But um, let's focus on the fun stuff, the sports. And I've got a few big takeaways from some stories that I've seen over the last couple of weeks. First of all, I forgot to mention it on the last show, but um, this will kind of be our baseball talk, I guess. Um, it's, you know, we're getting, we're a few weeks away from being in the dog days of summer, right? Where, you know, everything, uh, all the playoffs end, all we do is baseball. This year, there'll be the Olympics in July that'll definitely help, but Baseball, you know, it's only the, you know, dog days of summer. (laughs) It's a grind, and it's not always entertaining to watch. I mean, I'm pretty vocal about how I feel about watching baseball on television. I love watching it in person. Love playing it. But, um, 
it's hard to watch on TV, and especially with nothing else going on. Sports world gets a little slow. I mean, like I said, we have the Olympics this summer. But baseball kind of has been relevant in the last couple of weeks because of, one, all the no-hitters. I mean, Joey Musgrove threw one. John Means threw one. Uh, Carlos Rodon threw one. Corey Kluber threw one. Wade Miley threw one. Holy shit, I got five of the six. Uh, what's the last one? Indians got it twice by the White Sox and then Kluber. No, I'm sorry, Wade Miley. Ah, oh, fuck, what is the last one? One more guy threw one. Uh, it'll probably come to me when I'm in the middle of talking about something else. But um, that's not exactly what I want to talk about. Unwritten rules. The unwritten rules of baseball. is It's kind of, you know, that old tradition that... You know, the game has kind of just been brought up with and has never gone away. And it's really come to the forefront. I guess last year, I mean, there's always little, little things, little isolated incidents here and there. Like um, a few years ago, Alex Rodriguez ran across the mound after he grounded out or flew out. It must have been a fly out because, you know, you'd... You hit the fly ball, you run down the first, it gets caught, you know, in the outfield somewhere, and then you take the, you round the base, and you take the turn, and you run back to your dugout. Um, A-Rod ran across the mound, and Dallas Braden freaked out. That's a no-no in the unwritten rules, right? It's those things that aren't technically a rule of the game, but it's just a tradition of, you know, the pastime, and the do's and don'ts, the things you shouldn't do because it brings bad luck or it makes the other team mad or whatever the case may be, right? One of those adages is you're up big and you swing at a 3-0 pitch and you hit a home run. That's like a big no-no. It's happened a few times in the last year now. Um, Fernando Tatis did it last year. He hit a... a grand slam on a 3-0 count when they were beating the Rangers like 6-0 or 7-0 in like the eighth inning, right? The game's over, and player, you know, Rangers took offense to that. But it happened again, and this time it was a little bit different. I think the White Sox were up huge, like 13-1 or 14-1. They are playing the Indians. And uh, the Indians bring in some position player because I mean the pitchers were done like they were all out of pitchers they bring in a position player and he is throwing cookies right and uh your mean Mercedes is a young player on the White Sox actually I don't even think he's that young I think he's like a 28 year old rookie it's kind of weird but uh he hits a home run on a 3-0 count on a pitch that was like 40 miles an hour and it was a tank I mean he's a big boy he's he's a chonk king he tanked this ball, and the Indians were really ticked about it. And La Russa, Tony Larusa, you know, he's a Hall of Fame coach, famous for being an alcoholic and getting pulled over and telling the police officer, "Do you know who I am? I'm Tony Larusa. I'm a World Series champ. I'm a Hall of Famer." Well, he's old, he's as old as fucking dirt, and. He's like, we're going to handle this in-house. 
Now, I think La Russa said that to, you know, let's not let the other team throw at us repeatedly and let's, you know, take the pressure off our guys and just worry about baseball, right? But um, it happened again a couple weeks later. Christian Yelich for the Brewers hit his first home run on a 3-0 count, being up like 6 or 7 to 0 in the eighth inning. That is the dumb... I fucking hate unwritten rules. Especially like that. I mean, I, I'm very famous for saying, like, don't be picky choosy. Like, acknowledge both sides of it, but have an opinion on it, right? Sometimes you need to tiptoe around that opinion. You don't want to come off as offensive or rude or ignorant. But, I mean, have an opinion. Justify it. Understand why you think that way and just own it. I say that, but I am a little bit picky and choosy with these unwritten rules. When it comes to manufacturing your own runs and you're up big, that's a no-no to me. You, you're you up 5-0 in the eighth inning. You get a leadoff guy on first. You're not stealing bases anymore. You are not putting yourself in a position to score runs by getting out. That's how I look at it. Now, you could ask somebody else who loves baseball, and they could explain to you the same thing for a totally different reason. They could explain to you something, a different opinion for the same reason, or a totally different reason. I mean, they could... It's your opinion. You can have that. I mean, they're unwritten for a reason, right? It's not... a set in stone rule that's just how people feel back in the day when these traditions started that's how they felt and it's kind of just you know these rules have kind of or these I shouldn't even say rules these uh tendencies or traditions have kind of just been grandfathered in and you know just carried on and that's just kind of how the game has been played I'm under the believer you don't bunt up five runs five runs is my firm cutoff up to that point you can bunt all you want. If you want to get yourself out to try to score a run, so be it. Stealing bases, it's the same thing with me. If you're up five or six, no more stealing bases. When I say manufacture a run, like I started to explain but got a little sidetracked, it's when you are putting yourself in a position to get one player out to advance a runner. Right? You bunt down the right side. A catcher fields it. That's a long throw to second. Especially if you have the runner on first base moving before the pitch. Zero outs. He steals the base. He gets the out at first. You're a f- single away from scoring. Either way, right? You don't do that. It's the same thing with bunting. Runner on first and second. Okay, let's avoid a double play. We're up six. A fly ball will get us up seven. There's no need to do that. That's a no-no to me. Now, the I feel different with the pitchers, you know, throwing 3-0 pitches and the guy hitting a yabo off you because the game of baseball is designed, you have to get 27 outs. It's a lonely game. It's you and the pitcher, or you and the hitter, depending on what side of it you're on. You have to get the guy out. You have to earn a win 
you have to you you can't run out of clock you know you're watching hockey you can't dump and chase the last period if you're up three goals to zero and the a comeback is extremely unlikely you can't play keep away offense in the basketball game and baseball you can't do it you have to get the guys out the game doesn't end unless you get them out what is Mercedes supposed to do in that situation? Let him just strike him out? You don't do that. I mean, if the other team is so uncompetitive that game, why should you give them a pass because they're playing badly? It doesn't matter if the score is 0-0 or 20-0. You still have to get the guy out and don't let him get you out. Like, I have no problem with that. And I hate the Brewers. And with Yelich, I have no problem with him doing what he did either. He's got to pitch to you. He's got to pitch to you, and he's got to show you can get you out. Oh, but it's 3-0. The 3-0 rule was not... Uh, that, that trend was not designed as a courtesy to the pitcher. And I think that's a big misconception with casual baseball fans. You know, you're up 3-0, you don't swing. That's not, okay, let's make it 3-1. The 3-0 rule is designed to help, or uh, unwritten rule, the 3-0 tendency is designed to help a hitter not swing at something stupid because the pitcher can't find the strike zone. That's what it's there for. It's not there to say, oh, you're struggling, Mr. Pitcher. Here you go. Here's a cookie. Just throw a cookie in there. I promise. I pinky promise I won't swing at it. It's not there for the pitcher. It's there for the hitter. The pitchers have been taking advantage of that unwritten rule for that long, and now hitters just swing at it. They know it's coming. Shoots, he scores, Habs. Petrie. Anyways, um, that's what it's there for. It's not there for the pitcher. It's there for the hitter. Don't get yourself out on a dumb pitch. Oh, that was Kotkaniemi. Oh, speaking of Kotkaniemi, before I forget, it's pretty crazy in that game six overtime winner. He's number 15. And, like, his fucking... He scored his 15th playoff goal with, like, exactly... It was, like, the 15th minute of the game. He had exactly 15 time on ice, fifteen minutes of time on ice. That was crazy. But, anyways. It's just, like, it's the crotchety old guys who are the ones who are getting offended over, you know, the players doing new things. And baseball has a brand problem, right? You can't even like show their clips on the internet without people getting angry or I shouldn't say people I should say like without all the old heads getting angry it's like you the game is a marketing problem and you're doing everything you can to say oh we need to market our game better but then when it comes time to actually market your game better you don't do it and this is another example of that like people want excitement in baseball it's not an exciting sport to watch all the time unless you're a seam head and then when, you know, we're finally in a position, excuse me, to make the game more exciting to watch, you get upset about it. Like, it just makes no sense to me. But, uh, anyways, um, just going down the list here, Phil and golf. Phil Mickelson won a major once again. I cannot pronounce the name of the course. It's like an ocean course, super windy, and Phil is a finesse golf player. He hit, he's, 
extremely good around the greens. But the last couple of years, his um, Achilles heel has been putting. He can't putt. He forgot how to do it, but he remembered this weekend. And it was really cool because Phil is 50 years old. He is the oldest major winner ever. He won the U.S. Open. And, or, is it the PGA Championship? PGA Championship. 50 years old, he finally gets a win. And he's now the oldest player to ever win a major tournament in the history of the tour. Which is really, really cool. Because, I mean, Phil is, he's like Tiger. He's just not Tiger, right? He's one of the most likable people on the tour. Easily. I mean, he's funny. He's got swagger. He's always got his sunglasses on. Rocks the Callaway gear. That's what I like. I've got Callaway Maverick irons and Mac Daddy wedges. I like Callaway. And fucking lefty. Hefty lefty. 50 years old. Still swinging a stick. It looks really good, right? And golf is starting to get a little more exciting. I feel like a lot more people are paying attention to it because golf still very crotchety with the way they handle their social media stuff and, you know, sharing clips of tournaments and, you know, footage of that stuff. There's still a lot like baseball when it comes to, you know, um, sharing it all. But Bryson and Brooks hate each other. Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka hate each other. And it's very, very, very good for golf. I mean... Chicks dig the long ball, right? That's in a baseball adage, but same applies for golf. Bryson DeChambeau is a guy who just literally put on as much weight as he could and get as strong as possible so he could hit the golf ball as far as possible. He doesn't like Brooks Kepka. They're always getting in it with each other on camera on the internet and it's fun it's exciting people like a good beef and it's exciting to watch but congrats to Phil oh man Canadians are up 2-0 Corey Perry alright well since I have the hockey game on let's talk about some hockey the Toronto Maple Leafs holy shit do they stink anti-clutch gene very anti-clutch gene. Um, Toronto. The, talk about curse teams. Every sport has kind of their their curse team, right? Above, head and shoulders above all, you had the Chicago Cubs. My Chicago Cubs. Until they finally won their third World Series after 108 years in 2016 against the Cleveland Indians, who now have the second longest World Series drought in all of baseball. In basketball, there's a lot of teams who haven't won the finals. I think if you look at the numbers between the Celtics, the Lakers, and I want to say the Bulls, that's like 43 of the World Series or World Series. It's like 43 of the NBA championships. I believe the Lakers have 19. The Celtics have 17. Or maybe 18. I don't remember the exact number. But, I mean, it's a ballpark figure. 
was 18 or 19. The Celtics have 17. The Bulls have six. And then you've got like the Warriors with, I think the Warriors have uh, five or six, maybe. They they have three, you know, in the 2010s. They have, they might have won one or two when like Rick Barry and Wilt Chamberlain were on the team. But I mean, the 70s were, the 60s and 70s were all Lakers, Celtics. I mean, they were hands down the best teams around. The Rockets have two. Um, I think the Sixers have a few mixed in there. I think the Knicks have one. But like, the basketball doesn't really have a cursed team, except maybe I think the best example to use would be the Knicks because, like, Madison Square Garden's called the Mecca, right? I mean, Madison Square Garden is probably the most influential sports. I shouldn't say most influential. It's not really. It's an inanimate object, but it's the most prestigious um, venue in all of sports. And I mean, the New York Rangers play at Madison Square Garden. The Knicks play at Madison Square Garden. There's been dozens and dozens of high-profile boxing matches at the Mecca. Um, I mean, aside from, like, you know, your Wrigley Field and Fenway Park and uh, those sta- Lambeau Field and those stadiums with all the allure... It's kind of that's that's the that's the arena, that's the indoor arena. And the Knicks have the Knicks are just they're like their fans always feel like they're super relevant, but they're never good. And that's kind of how the Maple Leafs are. The Maple Leafs haven't won a Stanley Cup I think since like the '60s. Right, and they're like one of the original six, you know, along with the Bruins and the Canadians and the Maple Leafs and the Chicago Blackhawks. They were one of the founding teams of the National Hockey League, and they have proud fans, right? They're always good in the regular season, but it seems like they always seem to fall short in the playoffs. The Maple Leafs have lost in the first round, I think, six years in a row. 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20, and 20, 21. They lost in the first round. To the Bruins, how many times? I think three. And most recently, to the Montreal Canadiens, who literally puttered into the playoffs. They blew a 3-1 lead. The Leafs lost in seven. Now you know that uh, John Tavares, their captain, was injured by a very unfortunate play. Um, a lot of I saw on Twitter a lot of people were saying Corey Perry made a dirty hit, and Corey Perry's a dirty player. They call him the Worm. He's a dirty player, but it wasn't a dirty hit. It was incidental. But their captain, John Tavares. He concussion. He's done for the season, for the series at least. And I think it, had they advanced, he would have been out for some time too. But that team, that team is. 
I know a lot of people don't pay attention to hockey like I do, but imagine a team like the Nets would lose to the Celtics. But then they were able to retain that talent that the Nets have for six years, and they lose in the first round every time. That would be like Michael jo- or LeBron James' teams losing in the first round every single year, despite them winning... 50 games in the regular season every year. Now, LeBron is the exact opposite of that. He's not worried about seeding. He's not worried about being the number one seed. He lives for the playoffs, and he turns it up in the playoffs. We'll get to him a little more in a minute. But they've the Leafs have all of these guys, right, and they're top-heavy. Their top six is the best in the league, aside from maybe Colorado and Tampa. I think they're the best. I mean, the way those three out in Colorado play with uh, Landis Gog, Rantanen, and uh, McKinnon. And then in Tampa, you've got Point Kucherov and Stamkos. They all can play together. But look at the Maple Leafs. You have John Tavares, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Austin Nylander. You've got a ton of guys, a lot of firepower on that line, those first two lines, and they don't get it done. They always seem to fall short. What do you do? They're over the cap. I mean, two of those guys and Tavares, three of them, Marner, Tavares, and Matthews are all making north of $30 million a year. I shouldn't say all. Like, together... They're making like $30 million a year. I'm not sure what the exact number for the uh, NHL salary cap is, but three guys are taking up like a third of their cap. I want to say it's like 80 to $90 million a year that you can pay all your players. The guys that play on the third and fourth forward lines don't make a lot of money, but they're instrumental for having a good team. And that's why... Um, Tampa is so good. You have those top three, four guys, right? You have the best defenseman in the league, probably, in Victor Hedman. But you got guys that play on the bottom that can give you a little bit of grit, or a little bit of skill with a lot of grit. Pat Maroon, um, Alex Kalorn, guys like that. You need those physical, gritty guys that have a little bit of goal-scoring capability that are able to push you over the top because you need to play a physical game when your top six guys aren't out there. But your top six guys can't always be out there. I mean, you play minute shifts. Your best forwards get about 25 minutes of ice time. And the way the game's played, it's so fast. Those guys get tired. They got to get over the hump. (laughs) And every year, it seems like, oh, this is a year. I mean, it just never seems to happen. It's like they're cursed. So, I don't know. But the rest of the playoffs has been... You know, about as expected. I think the biggest disappointment was Washington and Boston. That's always a really competitive series. And, I mean, Washington had the overtime winner in game one. And then it was a gentleman sweep from there on out. Boston ran the table. Um, Florida and Tampa. I mean, I think most people expected Tampa to win. Um, Florida put up a good fight. Uh, Edmonton and Winnipeg. Edmonton is in the same boat as Toronto. Like... You have the best player in the world in Connor McDavid. 
and he's surrounded with guys like uh, another first overall pick, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, you've got Leon Dreisaitl, last year's heart winner. Um, good defenseman, uh, Darnell Nurse, and uh, what's his name? Something Bear, Eric Bear, something like that. Uh, Adam Bear, I'm not sure what his first name. All I know is it's not Fred Bear, like the Ted Nugent song. Um, you've got a ton of guys there, and it's just like they blow the pants off of everybody in the regular season. They always fall short. It just never fails. And they lost 4-0 to Winnipeg, and Winnipeg is not a good team. I mean, I lost I lost a lot of bets on Winnipeg this year. Lost a lot of bets on the Canadian or the Maple Leafs too, but they were a good team, so they say. But I don't know. It's the same kind of deal there. And just guys got to clutch up. It's just funny to me that they compare Connor McDavid to Wayne Gretzky because, like, talent-wise, there's never been anyone. There's no one in this generation of hockey players that is closely talented to Wayne Gretzky like Connor McDavid. I mean, Sidney Crosby has, like, the the playmaking abilities as Gretzky, and Ovechkin has the goal-scoring but you have to put those two together to get like an accurate talent of Wayne Gretzky. McDavid's the closest one. And I think Gretzky had four cups by the time he was McDavid's age. And he's 24 right now. It's crazy how good Gretzky is. Across all sports, there's one unanimous greatest of all time. And it's Wayne Gretzky in hockey. I mean, Mario Lemieux was really good. There are a lot of really good players. And t- hockey's like the talent dispersion in hockey is incredible every team is very 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 talented even the bad ones have a ton of talent but you got to put all the pieces together um colorado and the blues expected the wild took vegas seven games it was a really good series but uh the wild are fucking boring team i think they just most nights they don't have they just play a weird game like the wild have been good for a pretty long time like they've never really really been bad i feel like since i've been watching hockey they're always just there though they're they're like participation or they're participants in the cup every year you know they squeak into a six through an eight seed and they get lost they get beat out in the first round still happen that way though oh shoots he scores nice breakaway goal for winnipeg um Missing a one more series. Oh, Carolina and uh, two more. Carolina, Nashville is pretty competitive, and then Bruins or not Bruins, uh, Islanders and Penguins. That I think that those guys just beat the crap out of each other, scoring goals. Goalies were bad, but um, right now you got Winnipeg and Montreal that I'm watching. Um, I think Bruins Islanders are 1-1. Tampa's up 2-0. And then Colorado's up 1-0. Is that all of them? Got the Canadian side. Got the East. Got the Central. Got the West. Yes, that is all of them. Eight teams remain. But, um, just one more little off-ice story. That, uh, this isn't like a huge concern or anything, but it was just a really weird scenario. Like, um, the kid and his dad were at, a t- uh, what was it, game six? It's either game five or, um, I'm trying to think who's the high seed. It was either game four or game six because they were in Tampa for the game. 
Um, there was a, I think, if, I think the guy was in like a box seat. He had a box seat to the Lightning game. And uh, his kid had a Panthers jersey on. And like it was before the game started. And uh, I guess Tampa made a rule that says you can't wear um, the team's, another team's jersey in these this area of the stadium. Because I, I was thinking about the story and trying to remember the details and, you know, make sense of them. And it's like, there's no way you can't wear the opposing jersey anywhere in the stadium. That makes no sense whatsoever. And if it does, it makes the story even more ludicrous. But um, I think it was just in this particular section of the stadium that you're not allowed to wear an opposing team's jersey as a fan. And um, the, the dad was a little bit rude about it, right? You know, kind of got in the security guy's face. And then they threatened to call the police on him for wearing a Panthers uniform to an away game. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you want to grow the game and make it inclusive for everybody. And then that's your little rule they had. Like, that makes no sense. I mean, you should be able to go to any game no matter where you're from. I mean, that's one of my dreams is to go to every professional sports stadium. I've been to, like, five of them. That would be so cool. Like, if you're a huge hockey fan, to go to every arena. I mean, hockey's kind of a tough gig because, I mean, the hockey stadium's pretty much the same thing except the logo at the center of the ice. But it's like... Come on, that makes no sense. And you know what makes le even less sense about it? Like the next day, to avoid the bad PR, they changed the rule. We were like, yeah, this rule doesn't really make much sense and we're going to let it slide and we will not be enforcing this anymore. So, I don't know, it was just kind of a weird story. But I'm um, going down the rest of the list. I pretty much got everything before I wrap it up with some hoops. Um, Coach K is... Coach Mike Krzyzewski, a longtime Duke head coach, has announced that uh, this last this will be his last college season, and um, what an end to an era, an era full of championships and as many scandals. <laughs> That's like I've talked about it on this show before. Coach K is the one guy who always comes out unscathed from all of the. Um, recruiting violation investigations done by the FBI or the NCAA or any other investigation body. He's always come out clean as a whistle. So um, he's either going to fake an injury or like fake a heart attack on the court or they're going to win the national title. So in all seriousness, no. in all seriousness though, like what an amazing career that guy's had. I mean, how many fucking great players have run through Duke? Oh my god. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Danny Ainge stepped down and Brad Stevens was now going to be the front office in the front office. He's going to be a GM of the Boston Celtics. I mean, maybe if you can't coach the team to a championship, you can build the team for a championship. I don't know. I'm not in on the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics are that good. I mean... Bleacher Reports, one of those guys are like, oh, the Celtics are so raw. And, I mean, they took LeBron to seven games, and, and they were all, like, 21. And it's like, that, yeah, that year they all seem to gel, but they're super athletic, but I don't really think they're that talented. I mean, some people were like, oh, they're contenders in the, West, in the East. I never really thought so. They're too young, and they don't have that superstar. They had them. They had Kyrie Irving. They had Gordon Hayward, but that team has gotten a lot worse in the last three years. 
Um, Jason Tatum is that man. He's very good. Yeah, but, I mean, the other guys, uh, Jalen Brown, I think he's a good NBA player, but he's he's closer to above average than he is good, in my opinion. And, and that could be wrong, but, I mean, I just, I just don't think they're it. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to be any time soon that the Celtics are completely relevant again. They're facing elimination. Or, no, they were eliminated last night. So, um, yeah, I'm not in on that. But um, the biggest thing, kind of like the unwritten rules thing with baseball, it's kind of a blanket argument for you know the entire NBA. Um, two things. I'll tackle the less serious issue first. The fucking antics these guys do need to stop. Oh, my God. That's why I like college basketball more, because college basketball is more about basketball. The NBA isn't basketball it's theatrics I fucking hate the way LeBron James plays always crying and bitching and faking an injury the what he did in game one was the most fucking ridiculous thing I've ever seen Chris Paul boxes him out on a free throw and LeBron James acts like somebody just shot him point blank with a shotgun and he freaks out and he falls down on the ground grabbing his shoulder Ooh, poor LeBron and then some guy took offense to it and they start duking it out you know, at like half court, and then LeBron stumbles his way over and then collapses right in front where he knew the cameras would be. It's a fucking joke, that guy. He is such a bonehead. And, oh, it's always got to be LeBron, always got to be LeBron. And, like, I respect the shit out of the way he plays basketball. You know, between the whistles, or between the lines for, you know, how the phrase actually goes. But it's like, dude... Just play the damn game. No one cares what you have to say. No one cares that you gotta see me. And then, oh, he fucking acts like his mom died when his eyes get he gets poked in the eye. Then you got like a baseball player who got hit in the face the other day with a fastball, and he's laying on the ground for you know ten seconds after he could have died. And then he's playing. He played yesterday. It happened like a week and a half ago. You got guys like Zdeno Chara who broke their jaw in a playoff game and, you know, he's on the ice, he didn't miss a minute. It's like, LeBron, fuck off. And then the whole bullshit with him leaving the court down 25 with five minutes to go in the fourth. Um, Okay. He had to get treatment. Yeah, way to fucking take one, for your, take one on the chin for your, your guy, coach. Like, no one believes that. He's a sore loser, and he always has been. He's always been that guy who's like, you know, it's got to be about me. It's got to be about me. It's always my team's fault. He's always been that guy. And you know what the worst part is? His fan, the the bronze sexuals do it for him, too. They're the first ones to give him an excuse. It's like, that's such a fucking bad look, dude. I mean, you see clips of him, like, walking up the court after he muffs a pass or he throws the ball away and then turns it over and he's watching the other guy dunk on the rim at the other end of the court. It's like, dude, like, don't and don't insert yourself into the GOAT conversation because fucking greatest of all time, don't do that. Greatest of all time isn't about, you know, being perfect. Sometimes they lose. It's about being a sore loser. It's how you lose. And LeBron sucks at it. Anyways, biggest issue in the NBA right now are these fucking fans who are throwing shit at people. What the hell? First of all, I mean, 
There's both sides of each story. Two instances. One, Russell Westbrook fan threw popcorn at him. It could have been a lot worse than popcorn. He shouldn't have gotten all bent out of shape about, you know, getting popcorn dumped on his head. That's not a huge deal. I mean, still, the principle applies. Don't fucking throw shit at people, especially them. They could come in the stands and beat your ass. I mean, God, it would be over. And two, the water bottle thing at Kyrie Irving. Once again, not condoning that. But assault with a deadly weapon? Come on. He threw a water bottle. Kyrie's going to be okay. But, and then he's making things about race. I mean, and Boston is a notoriously white-collar, or a blue-collar sports town, even though it's not a blue-collar city. I mean... Bill Russell integrated the NBA in that city. Boston's notorious for having that stigma, right? But this had nothing to do with race. But way for the woke, way to go, woke police. You made something out of nothing, or you made the issue at hand about something completely different. Great job. Way to actually tackle the issue at hand, like we do with everything else. Well, at least Kyrie doesn't tweet mean things. But, um, anyways, I don't know. It just makes me mad. I just tore apart why, you know, the issues aren't that big of a deal. I kind of watered them down a little bit. But, I mean, that's just with the, uh, what was thrown. That's the only, pro- and the reaction, the overly over-the-top reaction. One was popcorn, and two, the deadly weapon, which was a water bottle. I mean, don't throw it at them, of course. But, like, guys, what are we doing? You just got allowed back into a stadium. Don't you, shouldn't you be grateful for, like, for being allowed to go? I mean, we just spent the last year and a half almost cooped up in our homes and not able to go enjoy our time out in public and see other people and go to events like this. And you see how different the event is when everyone's there. Carolina looks so lit. Raleigh was bumping game one of the, the Carolina Hurricanes Nashville Predators game. It was rocking. It looked so awesome to see everybody back in the stadium. And then that's what you idiots are going to do is throw shit at the players. They do it for you. And most of the players will reference that. Well, of course, they do it for the paycheck. They do it because they love it. But they love people being there. And then you're going to fucking do that? Like, come on. Grow up. Fucking losers. Anyways. uh, Ooh, I've been talking a long time. Alright, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Um, Rate, review, subscribe. I know I've been pretty inconsistent with the release of episodes lately. But I'm going to get back on track. But you got to rate, review, subscribe. If you listen to the show and you haven't left me a five-star review or a rating... Oh, that's a rating. Or you haven't left a review, you know, type a little message in there. Anything you want. Oh, Jake is... I don't know. Jake's 24 and could lose some weight because uh, he still drinks like he's in college and he doesn't work out as much. Uh, Jake has great takes, but he's kind of an idiot. Or... What are you talking about? I don't care. Just leave something. It helps me out. Leave a five-star review and a rating. Or that is a rating. God, talk, idiot. Leave a review. It helps me out. 
algorithm on Apple, you need ratings to get more exposure. And I would like some more exposure, please. If you listen to the show, please rate, review, and of course, subscribe to it. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at JakeSawinski8, at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. I I need to tweet more. Fat and ugly, I don't post on Instagram, but if I ever, ever, ever get my beach body for the summer of George, I will post on Instagram, I promise. Have a great week and talk to you guys next time. Peace.